0: Hello and welcome to another episode of This Guy Edits. My name is Sven and I'm with Tyler. How are you?
1: Wow, good. You introduced yourself. Wow. I did. Surprise. (laughs) It's a different vibe. We're recording at a different hour, so see if you pick up a different vibe this week from the podcast. It's past 11 p.m. on a Saturday night. And (laughs) And editors are just happy to finish their work so they can record their podcast. (laughs) That's right. It's been a busy week. Usually we'll have a couple of days before the episode goes out, but this is basically a 24-hour turnaround. (laughs) And a lot of this is because of the Thanksgiving holiday. We both had wonderful ones, and we hope you did as well. So we we moved back our recording schedule a little bit, but we're happy to do it. We're glad that we got the show in. Both of us tried to get out of it this week, (laughs) but we just pushed through because we had to. We had to be honorable to Filmstruck.
0: I totally asked Tyler, like, a few hours ago, should we just skip it, not do one this week? And he said, no, we're going to stomach
1: through. Because that's what you said to me. And it feels good to do it. I don't like the week if I don't do it. Nice. I don't know. I enjoy the process. I, f- I feel like it's
0: a workout. It's like I like having done it. But it's uh, the actual recording is kind of tough because there's so much pressure. Like, are you going to actually come up with something when you watch the scene and have something smart to say?
1: Yeah, and people have commented on that to explain what this podcast is. We watch scenes from films, various films, a lot of them films that we think are great, that we think are valuable, or scenes we think are interesting, or stuff we think is awful. We take a lot of suggestions on what to watch, and we just throw our impulses and instincts at it. We're not experts, we're lovers, but that's probably not true. Yeah, we are lovers of film, and we are lovers of editing, and that's why we're here yeah that works with this weird this weird loving vibe at this hour so what's going on with filmstruck do i need to sign up is it saved so this is what's going on so as you would know if you listen to the podcast and subscribe to the podcast as you should it's a good thing to do it's you can subscribe to it on itunes spotify or stitcher and sven has a link at it's actually thisguyedits.com slash podcast sorry Yes, you can listen to this podcast there, you can subscribe to it, you can tell friends about it, and what you will learn if you've been following is that we are fans of Filmstruck, or one of us pretends to be. And Filmstruck going out of business was very upsetting, because it wasn't really going out of business, it was being shuttered by AT&T, and what ended up happening was... Sven made a pledge that if it came back, he would indeed sign up for Filmstruck, and it's not coming back, but the Criterion channel is going to have their own channel, but not until February. So we'll have a couple months without movies uh, on Filmstruck, and then when it comes back, we can start watching this stuff on Criterion. And hopefully this week's movie will be on there. Nice.
0: For the record, I didn't pretend that I was a fan of Filmstruck. I only pretended that I have Filmstruck. I'm still a fan, and I had lots of admiration for... The library i just never signed up
1: yes and so yeah so we're happy that we chose a movie from filmstruck we asked for some suggestions on that i guess we didn't really get any but we're going to be doing a room with a view because i made a joke about it last week so we decided to go with that it is available on filmstruck it is a great movie uh merchant ivory movie it took me a long time to get into the merchant ivory scene how did you get into the scenes Fen?
0: well I have to say I'm surprised that the movie is actually 1985 because I would have guessed it was done in the 90s because at AFI we actually had Merchant and Ivory there for Uh a screening of Room with a View and we saw it there and that must have been in the 90s. So that's sort of the first time that I saw the film. I remember seeing the Oscars and that they just sort of like, they had eight nominations or so, and everybody thought they're going to sweep it. And they did all right, but not
1: really as as well as they hoped. Yeah, it's James Ivory, who won an Academy Award this last year for Adapted Screenplay for Call Me By Your Name, which right. was what brought me back to this movie. And we're going to talk about the movie, but first we thought it would be good to talk about some insights about film editing. And uh, to do that, we thought it would be good this week to talk about Note giving, because Sven was talking last week about getting the job, being professional, and now I thought it'd be interesting to pick your mind, Sven. About what's the best way? We talked about the best way to receive notes, which is you just do them. But what do you find is the best way to give notes, Sven? If you're in that position, so I have a whole theory on this. Oh,
0: okay. I didn't expect that question, but that's that's an interesting one. Um, First of all, what is note giving? Note giving is the process in the editing where whoever is going to take this film to the next level gives the editor some feedback. And sometimes that's a very broad feedback where they just sort of talk about ideas and emotions. And sometimes it's very specific things like, move this shot by six frames. And sometimes it gets really, really annoying when you're in the editing room and you have somebody in the back sort of snapping with their finger when they feel like the cut should happen. And then you're sort of supposed to cut it there. So that's mm-hmm. the type of note process that I would not recommend doing. I know some directors can't help themselves, but it's, uh, that's sort of, for an editor, the worst case scenario of somebody in the background goes, right there, that's where you should cut. Right. So, what's a good way of doing notes? I like, for example, what Mark does as a director. I've done three films with him. And he's really, really good about deciding when he gives detailed notes. So, it goes through phases. Phase number one is we watch scenes as they get cut. Like once a week, we would get together and watch like another 10 minutes of a movie. And he would just sort of take it in. And for the most part, he would just say, oh, this is amazing, I love where this is going. And we would maybe have some just broad discussions about ideas and themes and where the film is heading. And that's it. And then he leaves and comes back the next week and we do it again for the next 10 minutes. And we'll do that until the film is basically in the rough cut done that's kind of the editor's version where I pitch the story back to the director I'm sort of the storyteller at that moment and then it switches and he becomes the storyteller and I'm the listener and then it gets it can get really really detailed but still it's more about concept as opposed to very specific cuts Um, he still sort of trusts me to to figure this out on my own in terms of like what's what is the problem that he's having here and what could potentially be a solution where we both sort of figure it out together so that's that's one way of doing it that i enjoy very much i don't require that from any director i'm very happy to do it any other way but i find it to be a process that's very collaborative and it's very efficient and usually it leads to great ideas what do you think tyler what's a good way of doing notes
1: yeah well i like to know that snapping at you is is a trigger i think that's a that's something that that can be used against you at some point um just (laughs) some other environment just to psych you out i do it by the the way thing you do of course you do i was thinking about it from a teaching perspective because when you're dealing with an editor like you let's call it the grammar of editing, is usually pretty tight. Any cut someone's going to look at, you're going to have gone through it pretty extensively and they're not going to have cutting issues in terms of jump cuts and matching and problems. Jump cuts that don't work, I should say, and match cutting that's off in a way that's distracting and stuff like that. That's something that you know is important for every cut you turn in, you're gonna get less notes if you just if you just clean it up, do some color, do some sound, throw some music in there, that stuff makes a big difference. Right? Is that fair to say?
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, yes it is, but I'm really not a very like technical editor that does the perfect cut in terms of the actual like continuity or mm-hmm. uh, um like sequence where the the way that like what w- you would generally say that's the right cut it's usually not the cut that I do because it's all, right. it's all more emotional.
1: Right, right. And because of that, that stuff's working. I'm just saying it's not continuity issues that are jumping out because the story's not working. Right. Right? Yes. Like you said, yeah, it's more about the emotions, about these bigger things. So it's kind of funny when I would be seeing student work for all these years and a lot of times there's... Really bad issues with it in terms of that stuff, in terms of the basics where it's like oh if you're dealing with a professional editor this this wouldn't be a thing and it's funny because more and more I started not giving notes on that stuff because it was much more important to go after the bigger issues and then just quickly address that stuff. you know, I always felt like a little re- irresponsible doing it, but it was funny because I was reading this teaching stuff about how to how to be like let's say an English teacher or something like that, and how you expect that to be the role of a grammar cop that's going through and saying like, oh, you, you have a, a comma splice here, oh, you didn't do your period here, or this this is a run on sentence, you have spelling errors here, here, and here. That's not how you use two. But apparently, the effective way to do that is not to do that, to just. Assume that the student's going to figure that stuff out and if you focus on the bigger problems, the actual problems, whether the ideas are clear or coherent, that stuff's going to kind of start to sort itself out. And that's what usually happens. So I thought that was an interesting comparison if you talk about editing in that way. Yeah. in terms of,
0: I think it's also I think this is a very good point. It also can be detrimental to to really focus on the detail without mm-hmm. having figured out the big stuff first. Because you, yes, you might yeah. solve the the next 10 seconds of a movie, but it completely doesn't work and destroys the scene <laughs> right. when you think about the big picture. And just to give you a specific example, how to give big notes, uh, and this might, might apply. Um, so Dennis did a video for us uh, for the last podcast, which was Spike Lee, Do the Right Thing. Yeah, it's great. And he sent over the cut. And I think it's a a wonderful cut. And so far, I haven't really given him any feedback much other than it's great. But here I felt like, okay, I'm just going to give him a couple of notes. And the one thing that I noticed, and this is a big picture note, is that he was cutting it where he basically visualizes what we're talking about, which is nice. That's great. Always show what you're talking about because then it sinks in but he didn't really let the audience experience it for themselves so i just sort of gave him the big picture note and say just keep that in mind for the next one when we're making a point like oh this is a this is really cutty here and it's there to emphasize conflict in that scene and you show it while we're talking about it the audience really doesn't have a chance or the listener doesn't have a chance to experience it for themselves and make up their own mind they're just being told that this is what's going on and so my note would be once we've made a point play the scene again with just the scene itself without us talking just break up the podcast and let people experience it for a moment and so now he can run with this on the next one i'm not specifically telling him what moment to do it and how to do it and how long to do it. I'll leave that up to him. But that's sort of just a, a bigger concept. Let the audience experience some of these uh, takeaways.
1: Yeah, and this is how you're delivering that note to him? Through yeah. the podcast? No, through an email. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, and through the podcast, <laughs> so it sings in. No, come on. I mean, the videos are great, and that's so cool, I think, you know to get feedback. And so these videos, Sven, will be seen. Now, on the This Guy Edits Facebook page, you can sign up for that, or on well, the Patreon page.
0: Yeah, they're on the Patreon page, or I'll tell you what, I just started a Reddit, subreddit, all things This Guy Edits. So, Ooh. subscribe to that, and there'll be always a link to the bonus videos.
1: How's that? I like it. Subscribing now. All right. So we were talking about this movie. We were talking about the filmmakers behind it. I do think it's cool. The thing I started talking about was Call Me By Your Name being the movie that brought me back into Room with a View because James Ivory won an Academy Award for adapted Screenplay, in, and he's in his 90s. And I think that's amazing. I think that's just such an incredibly well-written film. And it's funny, looking at Room with a View, it's kind of like Call Me By Your Name, the entire yes. movie is yes. the first act of Room with a View.
0: Yeah, it's it feels like the same
1: movie. Yeah, and there's so much tribute paid to it in the shots and stuff like that. They're in Italy, they're falling in love, they're breaking through taboo to fall in love in that
0: way. Yeah, so I'm going to set up the movie. Room with a View is a 1985 British romance film directed by James Ivory, screenplay written by Ruth Prajavala, okay, I screwed that up, and produced by Ismail Merchant. It's based off an E.M. Foster's novel of the same name, which was written in 1908. Did you
1: say 1908? Yeah, 1908, written in 1908. I've never heard that before. (laughs) Sorry.
0: It's basically a present-time story from that time, right? The film closely follows the novel by use of chapter titles to distinguish thematic segments. Set in England and Italy, it's about a young woman named Lucy Honeychurch in the restrictive and repressed culture of Edwardian England and her developing love for free-spirited young man George Emerson. It stars Helena Bonham Carter as Lucy and Julian Sands as George and features Maggie Smith Denholm Elliott, and Daniel Day-Lewis in supporting roles. Film received universal critical acclaim and was a box office success. At the Academy Awards, it was nominated for eight, including Best Picture, and won three Best Adapted Screenplay, Best Art Direction, and Best Costume Design. It also won five British
1: Academy Film Awards and a Golden Globe. Wow. Well, I'm just looking at where this falls into Daniel Day-Lewis's career path here. Same year
0: as my my beautiful beautiful Landerette. Yes, that was his breakout year. That's where he.
1: Yeah, and it was. It preceded My Left Foot, which is his real Academy Award nomination. He cannot be stopped. But that was after The Unbearable Lightness of Being, which was a big film as well, edited by. That's right. That's right. So it wasn't his breakout year. Walter Murch. Unbearable lightness and being was ended by Walter Murch. Is what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Which makes a little more sense because I couldn't believe he came into this movie like 35, 40 minutes into it, and I forgot it was him. Honestly, I was like, "Is that Day I did Lewis? too.
0: I saw the scene. I'm like, I didn't realize that Daniel Day Lewis is in the film.
1: Yeah, he is. He can he can morph. You want me to set this scene up? So, yeah, Lucy and George have met in Italy. They have exchanged a kiss. There is clearly a kinetic energy between them, and it becomes complicated when Lucy leaves Italy, becomes engaged to Cecil, played by Daniel Day Lewis. Maggie Smith is Lucy's—I uh, want to say mom—but her caretaker. She's charged with mm-hmm. taking care of her chaperone. and all sorts. Her, her chaperone, yeah. and then George shows up, and Lucy is convinced she has to get rid of him. She has to jump George. She has to get rid of him. So this big title card comes up that says, Lying to George. It's how she's going to get rid of George. And this is the scene. Yep. And lying... Can we say who edited this? Humphrey Dixon. <laughs>
0: what else What else has he cut? <laughs>
1: did, did a lot of Merchant Ivory films. Good for him. Done a wide variety of films. A lot of English films. English film editor. He's worked with uh, Merchant Ivory on a few occasions. And done a lot of other... Impressive stuff of all kinds of different genres. Romantic comedy, action-adventure, Cool, cool. Paul Newman movie. <laughs>
0: I was going to say that uh, lying is a big theme, obviously, in that film. And sort of her lying, she's lying throughout the whole film to herself, um, basically, mostly. Um, sort of stands for the Edwardian time that they were sort of trying to uphold some form of decorum all the time. And what's right, what's proper. And George is kind of the truth teller in this, who never lies and who is unconventional, uh, doesn't conform. Just because he was raised by an uncle who didn't really care about any of this, and that's what she sort of falls in love with. Just to keep that in mind when we watch the scene.
1: Let us begin the scenes, man. What are we? What are we doing?
0: Usually, what we do is we play the scene and you have the option to watch it with us because we pick scenes that are available on YouTube. We include the link in the podcast description so you can copy, paste, and play along. Or you can watch it first by yourself and then sort of figure out what you notice and then listen to us or the other way around. You just listen. You just listen to us describe the scene, what we usually do (laughs) semi- professionally or semi-successfully and then we get <laughs> back into it so bear with us we'll make an attempt of describing what's going on and the idea here is that we'll really like look at one scene of an iconic movie and just sort of see if there are certain things that we notice that we could possibly take away for our own work and for you as well as a, an editor or just as a lover of film Before we watch a scene, I wanted to just point out, maybe already start paying attention a little bit about the close-ups. When are we on camera, or when is what's being said on camera, and when we are off camera? Because I want to talk about that afterwards.
1: Yeah, and real quick also, I I think we would be remiss not to talk about the style of the Merchant Ivory films. Okay. Because I think that's such a big part of this. They have a very, very, very specific reputation, I think, even to this day. And they're looked at... I mean, even though they're sweeping the Academy Awards, they have a reputation of being very stuffy, pretentious, boring pictures, I feel like, is the reputation. Even I heard someone make a joke about it the other day in reference to another film. They said they feared it would be... uh, They were talking about the piano, like, oh, I thought it was going to be like a room with the view would be boring. And it's like, what are you talking about? No, these Merchant Ivory films are great. I mean, I think that I certainly had to be at a certain maturity level to enjoy it. But I think the simplicity of it is really incredible. Same thing with Call Me By Your Name. I don't need to keep tying it to that, but I think it's a, a great example. It's something that's just so, so impressive because it's so, 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 so simple. The stakes and the drama and the way that you're engaging with the story. And I don't know how I could watch this or follow it or understand or feel anything, or really appreciate the costumes and the settings, which are a huge part of every frame of this movie, without having a little more maturity, appreciation for history, and I don't know, understanding the relationships and understanding of repression and stuff like that. Yeah, um, yeah I never so thought of, a context.
0: of these films as being stuffy or boring. I mean, I do recognize that they kind of feel like a big scale soap opera. In a way, like you have mm-hmm. these romantic themes and just big relationships that are being explored deeply. But yeah, if you if you sort of take the time and you buy into the world, I think it's, it's very enjoyable.
1: I guess it doesn't have the pretense of soap opera. They're just kind of being true to the way these people behave so there's something a little ironic and comedic about it i mean especially with day lewis's character especially with like how they show affection and stuff so i think it's i think it's fun
0: would you say they're melodramas or dramas
1: um i i would see say they are uh dramatic comedies okay (laughs) but that's me (laughs) well we'll have a
0: comedic moment in the scene too okay good So what we do now is we're gonna count it down and then we're gonna play the scene and we're gonna try and describe what's going on. There's a lot of dialogue here so maybe we'll play some of that stuff up as well. And here we go, in three, two. So George is coming from a tennis game. He's being waved over by Maggie Smith and she pulls him into the study. And Lucy's sitting down and she's all tense and nervous He's about to go in. He seems excited. Charlotte, please stay. Mr. Emerson, go out of this house and don't come back into it again as long as I live here.
1: Just everything about this Helena Bonham Carter performance is just fun from her hair.
0: <laughs> yeah, by the way, when I saw it the first time, I totally fell in love with her.
1: You don't mean you're going to marry that <laughs> man. You're being ridiculous
0: and then again in fight club <laughs> different love okay so <laughs> she basically tells him off she says we can't see each other anymore you need to never just, come back into this house and he's, he just calls possession. bullshit with that exactly he wants you for a possession something to look at like a painting or, or an
1: eye an eye which is a fun character to have in a world like this right yeah it's a guy who just, who, who's kind of seeing through it and seeing it from maybe a more modern perspective. Not yeah, modern, look
0: at her looks. He knows she's lying. She's trying to stay her ground, trying to desperately believe in her lie herself. You wouldn't stop us this time, not if you understood. It's our last chance. And it's not working. Okay, here's our comedic moment. Daniel Day-Lewis is swatting off a wasp <laughs> or something. when they find what's right for them. It's such a blessing,
1: don't you see? And also everything he's saying here about Cecil is stuff that she then says to Cecil in the next scene. Which is funny too. Yeah. And Cecil's like, you're right, how'd you know?
0: (laughs) Which is great narrative when characters like propel through scenes. Like they learn something and they move forward. mm -hmm. Even if they don't admit it. no idea what you're talking about. Right. Everyone has to understand.
1: And you must leave.
0: So she insists it's that they you. need Very to well. be not Sit together. To you. But you haven't been He's grabbing her hand. You would know. She pulls away. Mm.
1: You'll leave at once now,
0: Lucy. No,
1: no! I will not <coughs> listen to one more word. My dears, do stop. It's
0: like a little child.
1: Don't interfere again.
0: <laughs> it's useless. Let me go, Miss Bartlett. Me... <laughs> it's a little weird here. <laughs> like, why is she blocking him? Isn't this what she wanted? Yeah.
1: Very confused by this character.
0: Okay, and then he walks off. Shots through window at the beginning and the end of the scene, and then Lucy leaves as well. I guess she's playing tennis herself. Well, what happens brother, is she right?
1: goes out. Yeah, she goes out, and uh, Cecil refuses to play, and she needs one more scene with Cecil to realize the stuff that she was just told is true and it really clicks in and then in the next scene Cecil's like, because I wouldn't play tennis? Is that why you're, bra- <laughs> you're, you're breaking off our engagement? Oh wow, that's cool. She's like, no.
0: Okay, good. So let's go back.
1: You care more about your books than people. And he's like, oh, it's true. Nice, nice.
0: Is there something you notice right from the get-go or? I mean, I,
1: I, mean, I like the idea that the idea of this, the filtering and the fact that we're seeing it, the, we're kind of establishing the scene with this, we're entering the scene through this shot through the drapes, I think is fun. Yeah. Just to play with the visual aesthetic of it.
0: It sort of fits with uh, with the title of the movie too, right? We're talking about rooms with views. And yeah. I have a feeling there are a lot of shots like this where we look out to see stuff.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of center framing of doorways, which is another thing that happened in a few key places in Call Me By Your Name, which felt like a tribute to this movie. I'll stop mentioning that movie. <laughs> nice. Or we should just do it next week. Um,
0: okay, so the one thing that I noticed just getting into it, we're sort of starting the scene wide, and then we get closer and closer as the conflict um, mm-hmm. intensifies. That's a very like conventional way of doing a scene. Works very well, but it's not... I I wouldn't necessarily say that's the way to do it. It's sort of the standard way to do it and it works, but uh, sometimes it's also good to mix it up.
1: Yeah, well I mean everything's standard, but I think that understanding that concept and you can see it done in Psycho in the most impressive way. You can see Raging Bull do it as a tribute to Psycho in a very impressive way. I think everything's, you know, standard in a sense, but it's like what do you do with that concept that makes it makes it count and sometimes it's hard to get away from the idea that emotion and thought are most visible and controllable in a a close-up it's hard to avoid being in those for the most intense scenes right
0: right and then the next shot of her sitting down the camera booms down with her it's also pretty standard stuff right there's nothing like no extreme camera angles here or anything but it shows like she's anxious she's trying to like gather her energy her thoughts because this is a big moment for her she's trying to r- find the right position right Another it's very even
1: keeled yeah it's very even keeled filmmaking that allows these really wonderful subtle the subtlety of the performances to come through in a neat way which i think makes it not melodramatic also that's fair
0: so wide shot of him entering Maggie wants to leave, but she's being pulled back verbally by Lucy. Say, stay, I want you to listen in on this. And which gives an opportunity to have like the silent watcher in the scene. And we'll notice that throughout that every once in a while we'll cut to her reacting to what's going on, the bystander, so to say.
1: Very cool.
0: Now we're in medium shots. She tells him, don't come back. He's sort of still in a white.
1: And what time code? Uh,
0: 36. He leans forward, puts his props on the table. And um, that's a little process here for actors. (laughs) And um, leans towards the camera to just emphasize that whatever he's saying, he's really convinced that it's the truth. And obviously it is. We're getting closer. Now we are over the shoulder at 42 seconds, looking at mm-hmm. Lucy. Oh, and now we're in a what is this? A medium close-up. At mm-hmm.
1: 45. Your had been a different person, but he's the
0: sort who can't know anyone intimately, least of all the woman. That's a big statement, and we're fully taking it in in this medium close-up. So what he's saying right now. Is information that the audience is supposed to really process, right? If we would be wider, yes. it it might not sink in as much. If we would be on her, that would have possibly a different effect on how we process this information. It'd be more like how she feels about it, as opposed to what he's saying. He doesn't know what a woman is. He
1: wants you for possession, of something to look at, a painting or an ivory box
0: and then we cut to her over the shoulder again it's slightly closer i think that's at one or six so that's is that's a big statement of him saying basically yes i respect you the fact that you might be marrying somebody else but don't marry that dude because he's he's just a loser that's basically what he's saying right and he's insincere <laughs> <laughs> right so now look at at one o six. Look at her reaction. She's looking away and she's taking this in. What do you think is going through her mind as we play this? He doesn't want you to be real, and to think and to live. He does you. She's like, keeps looking away, keeps looking at him. I want you to have your own thoughts and ideas and feelings. And she sort of gasps. Okay, so we have this little thing before we go to the bystander. Mm-hmm. I think what's like going on in her mind right now is, oh, shit, he totally got me. But I can't let this, like, I can't, this information doesn't make, s-. it's like she's in denial is basically what's going on there, right? And she's
1: trying to find right.
0: the words to, f- to come back at him. That's what I'm noticing in that shot.
1: Yeah, and it, You know, and it doesn't happen... That's not necessarily why she breaks up with Day-Lewis to be with him. It's more like she kind of takes this information and then breaks up with him. And then still there's a little bit of a hurdle to overcome.
0: Right. Sometimes it takes us a while to really believe the facts or change our minds.
1: We're very good at creating, pretending other people's ideas are ours. Yeah. (laughs) That was the easy part for her. But then to... Accept it is, is another thing.
0: Yeah, so now we're breaking this this conflict. It gets interrupted because he turns over to Maggie. You wouldn't stop us this time, not if you understood. It's our last chance. And she looks out, and Maggie sees Daniel Day-Lewis. What is he doing? He's like wasping. He's like swatting.
1: He's not comfortable in the elements.
0: <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like nature. And let's go, <laughs> go a little bit back on that shot. Something that I noticed about this, and I'm sorry, I'm, like, I'm getting really into the details here, but it's, maybe it's stuff worthwhile
1: talking. This is something Ms. that... Miss Bartlett, her name is Miss
0: Bartlett. Miss Bartlett, right. <laughs> that as an editor, we do all the time. Like when we do these inserts, right? And I learned from last episode, this is an insert because it matters as opposed to a Mm -hmm. cutaway, which is trying to hide a cut. Yes, or
1: providing atmosphere, helping with the timing.
0: Good, good. I I just want you to take a look at the action of what he does, like when his action starts and when it ends and how that sort of coincides with the cutting. So Maggie looks over at at 125. He's sort of already swatting a little bit, but sort of the climax of the swatting is the center of this insert. And then around one thirty he pay, he goes back to looking at his tea that he sort of spilled. And that finishes that motion. Right. So we could have cut this earlier or we could have stayed on the shot longer. How as an editor do you decide how to use these inserts or any kind of like showing motion? So showing actions. Like there's a beginning, there's a climax and then you get out of it. There's a payoff. And I think mm-hmm. this shot really shows a very well executed cut in the sense that we're like just as it starts to become interesting we're in and then there's a little payoff of that which is like the the joke with the cup we saw him spill s- some stuff but he didn't know and now he notices it and then we're back out we c- kind of made right. our
1: point and we're- um and it's also <laughs> just watching it again um <laughs> with Daniel day Lewis's performance I just wondered the variety that he gave <laughs> you know for that moment to get to that point and kind yeah. of have that moment of discovery in it yeah <laughs> that's probably totally him making shit up which we- I didn't even notice until you said that until you pointed that out that he spills and then he notices and that's when we get out <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like- and we're not cutting back to
0: Maggie at this point because she's really the one that brought us into that moment we don't care about her reaction to it we're like back in in this conflict this was just like a little moment of relief and maybe even like proving the point that he's an idiot and that he, she should marry cecil and then we're we're back in the scene at 130 and now we have an over the shoulder where he really is hunched over and like almost in her grill and let's see what happens there. He goes down blessing, like the gets on know. her eye level which is something you do when you really want somebody to like pay attention to you. But she gets up and moves away. I that's a of no this thing us. And now we're like in these medium close-ups back and forth back and forth. Mm-hmm. At one fifty we we cut to Maggie as she listened in and looks away. Let's see why they decided to cut right there at this moment. So I'm gonna go back a little bit and see what he says. Shortly. I suppose that's a detail of no importance. This tremendous thing has happened between us. And what it means, let me explain. It means that nothing must hinder us ever again. That's what it means. Yeah okay so he's saying something like that we experience true love right he's making his point and maggie looks away it's, it seems like that's something that she's also taking in but she also has a hard time
1: agreeing to like a little bit of denial is what that tells me do you agree mm-hmm. and that's right and that's also a great tool to have as an is reactions like that of miss bartlett because you can really use them at any time, and that's something that you have more control over than anybody in implementing that performance moment. So you're conveying all this stuff that, that you're putting on it, which you're right about, but that's a lot of that's because of the timing of when it was put in, and who knows you know, yep. if that is the actual performance or if that was her looking at the sound of the slate or what it could have been. Right, right. That could have been shot within the scene
0: time, at a completely different time. He could have said something completely different, but it works as a building block here to make a commentary on what's going on, giving the audience clues who is feeling what at this
1: moment. And there's a good bet as an editor, going into this, you're probably going to be leaning into these type of actors' performances pretty well, Right, You're not like, oh, we're going to have to cobble another Maggie Smith performance together again. <laughs> <laughs> there's a good chance she totally nailed it in that moment. You wouldn't have even thought of it as an editor. And you're like, ooh, good thing they got coverage of her. Look at this. Yeah, There yeah. might be a there might, for, You know, with Maggie Smith, there's a chance that there was a version of this that where you could play the whole scene on her face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you just use her entire take. And it's like, all right. All right. Yeah, this that's a great,
0: great thing with great actors is that they're always on. Like when the camera's on them, or even if it's not on, if they have to like help another actor do their scene, there's always something going on. They're always listening. They're always processing. They're always hearing it for the first time and reacting to it. And you can, you can mind that as an editor.
1: And there's a very good chance that 1985 day lewis was out there through the through the recording of all these angles with actual wasps flying around him
0: i was wondering about (laughs) that because every once in a while through the drapes you can see right like a person moving (laughs) whether that's still him
1: or whether that's a stand-in that is not a stand-in i i will bet you money there's no way there's no way on earth that (laughs) early 30s day lewis is like mailing it in no that because I mean, I mean the good day God! Sh- I think he's doing Lincoln's own writing. <laughs> he's <laughs>
0: because that scene took probably a day to shoot, right? So it's a twelve-hour day. In his moment, is like one setup, which is like oh, an yeah, hour out of that day.
1: Well, what is he going to be doing in his trailer, anyways? He's going to be acting like that guy, anyhow. True. You know what I mean? Like it makes no difference to him. He's just going to be walking around acting like that character whether the cameras are off or on. So yeah. Nice well, so you're know. you so the, there's a possibility that he has a stand while he's off behaving exactly like the character <laughs> i don't know <laughs> just somewhere somewhere else
0: i just noticed there like two other shots where i see just a silhouette of a person in a white suit like moving around
1: yeah i remember thinking that too like but it kind of has like i don't know why but i remember seeing be like oh that has like a very day lewis vibe to it and then it was like <laughs> oh right because because of course there's no way, any other actor maybe, but yeah i can't I can't imagine all
0: right, we're at one fifty three let's keep playing that? he's still he hasn't moved position, he's still down, oh, now he comes up one fifty nine and she avoids him again, but he crosses the path, this is nice blocking here at two or four. She wanted to like walk away, and he just cuts her off, basically. He holds her hand, she pulls away,
1: you see? No, no, I
0: will not and then she you kind know. of has this temper know. tantrum here of a toddler. That's a 220-ish. It's <laughs> then this moment kind of doesn't ring true to me, <laughs> that she blocks him. Like, is she convinced that they should stay together? <laughs> no (laughs) no I love that she bounces the tennis ball like like there's no problem we just resolved everything okay good so we talked a little bit about white shots and close-ups we're kind of starting on a white we're going close and then we're kind of ending on a white out of the scene a lot of the information is played on camera, but sometimes there are these reaction shots, especially on her, on Lucy, when it's more about how she feels about what she's being told to. I think it's very important to know when you cut a line on camera and when off, and usually it has to do whether mm-hmm. it's the information or whether it's the emotion of, or the response of the other person to the information. And we talked about the bystander. <laughs>
1: the scene stealing bystander
0: yeah yeah we talked about the completed action in an insert I thought that's a really nice uh, that's something I constantly like when I cut like when do I start an action and when is that action completed and I need to move on and i like try not to cut it too short or too long where it fizzles yeah so I think this is a pretty pretty neat scene even though it seems very simple There's a lot of things you can uh, discover Also, like big picture wise, I think it's important to show that like in terms of the drama and the narrative, we have a character, George, who gets called in and he starts off being really excited and well spirited and feels like he's invited in and the scene ends. Basically, he gets thrown out and he's deflated. And on the other hand, we have a character who's really intent on she's trying to break up with him So sort of but it's mm-hmm. it's something it's like it's a wrong decision for her she knows it, and she tries to lie about it to herself so in that scene it really you can see that process of her and the tension is basically heightened in that scene and it fits in perfectly with the narrative of these big picture where we go next what you described and so on and so forth
1: mm-hmm. Right. And the other big picture thing is the way that the scene is set up is that lying to George, everything's set up that he's just going to be effortlessly just lied to and sent on his way. Nothing goes the way that you expect it to, which is, that's what drama is. It's just a constant series of expectations being set up and subverted. And it's a great example of that. And then it throws things into, into chaos from there forth. And even the ones that do go the way you expect them to, like lying to Cecil, still has ramifications, so... Yep. A non-boring
0: example. Storytelling should always be plausible yet surprising. So whatever happens makes sense in the moment and you believe it, but you didn't expect it.
1: Yes. And sorry for kind of uh, dropping out there, but I I got onto Filmstruck just to see if there is a commentary available. Um, and there is uh, 50 minutes of documentary about this film that I will get to the bottom of this Day Lewis query <laughs> on, and um, <laughs> before before it expires in a few days. And if anyone knows whether that was Day Lewis doing his own standing work or not, do do indeed comment on Patreon or the YouTube video. And where else can they find us, Finn? Oh, if they go to thisguyedits.com/podcast.
0: There'll be all the different links of where we're available, which is Stitcher, Spotify, Apple iTunes, Apple Podcasts.
1: And let us know your favorite Merchant Ivory movie. Check it out. Let us know your favorite. And let us know your thoughts on our analysis of the editing of A Room with a View. And thank you to Kurda for the music. If you enjoy what you're hearing, if you enjoy what you're listening to, Tell a friend about the podcast. Let them know. That's always helpful to us, and we appreciate it. Constant growth so far, which is great, and that's thanks to you. And as Sven always says, happy editing.
0: Oh, you uh, better uh, cut
1: that shit out. Well, you better hope I do. That's we. That's the longest episode, fifty four minutes. Good Jesus! It's the Saturday night vibe. Well, also, I, I, I think me making you making you wait also allowed you to watch the clip, and you got. <laughs> I could tell, like, oh, yeah, this should be my thing—is making wait a little bit, because then.